0: Our next guest is the CEO of LeanCore, L-E-A-N-C-O-R. LeanCore is a trusted supply chain partner. It delivers operational improvement and measurable financial results. Robert Martyschenko is the CEO of LeanCore and joins us live on Starcom Radio Network. Hey, Robert, welcome to The Ed Till Show. How are you today?
1: Hey, Ed, it's good to be back. It's always nice to chat with you.
0: Same here. We have a lot to talk about today. Um, General Mills, uh, Kimberly Clark, uh, big, big, big names. Uh, General Motors in the news today rolling off uh, the 500 millionth car that they have created. So it's clear that when you get it right, supply chain, uh, uh, operations, all this stuff can work beautifully. What do small businesses need to understand that big business has been uh, doing and uh, p- perfecting for years?
1: Well, there's a lot that small business needs to understand. And even if you look at, if we kind of go to your, the, the companies in the news and that today, though, even our big organization, so much is being, is being disrupted right now uh, in the world. And supply chains, in particular. In fact, I was just reading uh, yesterday that uh, you talked about General Motors, but Tesla, who is disrupting the world with the electric vehicles, they've got some for their new A3. Apparently, there's 350,000, uh, you know, waiting orders of some kind. And it's actually supply chain and and manufacturing constraints that are stopping them from selling their vehicle that is going to disrupt the rest of the automotive world. So it's not just small businesses these days, but the, the, the most important thing for small businesses to understand is that if they're trying to become medium sized and large businesses, they have to act like a big business when in fact they're a small business. And that means they need to focus on on uh three important things. One is one is their customer obviously. That's, that's just a given, but the other three things are their products and people and processes. And uh, what we see today, if you look in the news, uh, in particular with the companies out in San Francisco and, and our tech companies and CEOs being fired and, and, and cultures, you know, the media talking about bad cultures and so forth, that's because as companies are, when they're small, they're just so focused on product. Their products that they forget about people, uh, people in the organization, and they forget about the processes that are actually driving those products. Um, so the big advice to small companies is act like you're a big company, because that's how you'll become one. And by doing, you do that by not just focusing on your products, but by having an equal amount of attention on the actual people in your organization that are developing and servicing those products and then the actual processes that are in place to produce the products in the first place.
0: Okay, so we're focusing in on supply chain and we're focusing in on, what, flexibility, um, improving along the way. I mean, what are the critical elements of a new and successful approach supply chain management
1: so if we just let's you know frame up what the supply chain is for most people you've got suppliers if you think of a full supply chain you have suppliers that supply parts to a factory and the factory builds something with them and then whatever they build they have to get it out to the customer right and so in that in that you've got suppliers you've got transportation people you've got warehousing you have materials factories and then all the all the transportation warehouses again for the for the finished goods there was a time when all of those things were being done based on economies of scale so you bought as much as you could from your supplier because you got cheap prices and you brought it in and you stored it and then you built as much as you could at the factory because you never wanted to change what you were building because of change up costs. So you built as much as you could and just filled up warehouses. And, and this was, this was supply chain based on economies of scale thinking. Right. Well, in the last, in the last 10, 15 years, that's gone out the window. And now it's all about time. Now it's all about speed. It's all about not building anything until you actually need it. So you don't store it. You don't have to pay to, to, uh, to um, discontinue it, pay to discount it. In other words, you get an order from... A, in a perfect world, you get an order from a customer and then you order the material from your suppliers, then you build it, then you ship it to your customer. And this means that we're focused completely on lead time reductions, which means we're focused on eliminating any wasteful activities that are taking up time.
0: Wow. That's big, right? I mean, it, it's... Uh... <laughs> Oof, there's a lot in there. Okay, so is this what's significant about the Tesla uh, today where the announcement came out, we're going to make this many cars in this many days, then we're going to ramp up to this many cars in this many days. This is kind of what we're talking about, right? We're talking about no waste of time, no waste of expense, and making each car. It sounds like uh, they're building the cars based on the reservations,
1: well, they've got, so in this particular case, they have uh, reservations because it's such a, you know, it's a cool, new, and trendy product. Um, so that means they can literally be a build-to-order, uh, a build-to-order uh, company, which is an amazing place to be. And so, so uh, you know, a a, a a non-supply chain person would say, well, what's the big deal? You've got orders, just build cars. Well, think about it, it's not just a case of Tesla and their factory wanting to build the cars. How many suppliers now have to now ramp up their operations? And, and and those suppliers have suppliers. Those are called tier one suppliers, tier two. And so everybody in the supply chain has to ramp up and the mathematics of that aren't always, uh, don't always work out. So if Tesla has say 2500 part numbers that go into one car
0: mm-hmm. if
1: one if one supplier can't wrap up at the same speed as the factory then they starve the factory and the factory can't build the car because it only takes one part for a car not to be built
0: right so is the perfect world you mentioned before that we only build what we know not only that they want, but that we've identified as sales. These are the people that we know are going to buy There's X amount, and that's what we work on.
1: Well, that's what the, that's what we're working on. And unfortunately, though, it's not. That's not. We're not going to get there. That's this utopia where we're all build the order. Where you is it? Well, here's the thing you...
0: I wanted to ask: Is it utopian, or is that what the 3D printer is for? that eventually we're getting rid of all of these factories and supply chains and we're going to pour a bunch of resin into a thing and then in 15 years we'll be able to put oil in it and put other stuff. But is that where we're headed? Aren't we headed to get rid of all this infrastructure and get me a magical plant that is full of 3D printers? And I'm just using that as the the example, but the concept being... No more is it going to come from here and there and there and there and there. It's all happening right here. This is all there is to a a company XYZ. Yeah,
1: there's no question that the technologies and the 3D printers uh, um, are, you know, the additive manufacturing is going to have an impact on on certain things. Perhaps discrete manufacturing, maybe an automotive example, you'll have some impact. But But think of all the consumables that... um, that that won't have that ability as far as i can tell right now so for example if you went you know down to your local uh your local corner store and ordered your six pack um you're not going to be very happy if what they say is okay just wait i'm going to send your order to st louis they're (laughs) not going to send their order to a farmer who's going to grow some hops and when they get the hops done they'll bring them send them back to st louis and then we'll send you your six pack there's 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 supply chains that won't allow themselves just by virtue of actual cycle times of some of the things whether it's food you mentioned general mill general mills well general mills has to wait a certain amount of time for corn to come off the field we're not going to make corn with 3d printers anytime soon i don't think mm-hmm. um, i hate to be that guy that says never um right but uh, but so there's 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 certain um, there's certain elements of supply chain that just have some realities to them that mean we need to focus on waste reduction and it won't just be all about technologies. Um, you know the old the old you know the old saying is you can't make a baby in nine mo- in one month just because you have nine women trying. <laughs>
0: um, I hadn't heard that before. I like that. That he, makes the he, point. Yeah.
1: Those technologies help with efficiencies, but there's certain processes that just are what they are well in, in different supply chains.
0: Our guest is Robert Martyshenko. He is the CEO of Lean Core LLC. Lean Core is a trusted supply chain partner that delivers operational improvement and measurable financial results for its clients. Um, you're the right guy to run this by. I've been asking all of our brilliant guests that know something about the field of manufacturing and business this question, and I guess you'll, t- you'll know by the nature of the question this is what I'm hoping for. Uh, we had a big change election time where, where business is now a good thing again. Business was the whipping boy for eight years under the past. Now business is good again. I'm thrilled. And I wonder, would you have faith in A Manhattan Project style that created new factories that put the Chinese to shame. If the goal was America is not just going to be first, it's going to be preeminent in manufacturing, stealing back everything. We're going to make it five times cheaper, and we're also going to employ Americans, and we're going to uh, crush the Chinese move. We're going to crush the Vietnamese T-shirts that people don't like to buy. We're uh, we're going to crush the Mexican T-shirt at Walmart for a dollar that people uh, buy because of price, and they get home and go, "What am I doing? What am I doing here? America has no jobs. I'm buying a Mexican T-shirt. America has no. My town has huge unemployment, and I'm buying something from Sri Lanka." and I'm buying something from Vietnam or you know the all everybody everybody on Shark Tanks loves loves China they they're slavish into this it's cheaper it's better so what do you think about now that we have the right president who wants us to get jobs back and wants to be uh, a powerful economic engine and not just somebody who's been giving stuff away for 30 years uh because it's cheaper would you believe in such a thing couldn't america build the kind of factory that devastates chinese factories
1: so do i believe in that there's no question and it's not to say you know what i do believe in it was suggested something out in the future we're we are attempting to do this work cuz from a, from a lean from a lean manufacturing or even from a lean principle point of view mm. there's a fundamental principle and that is the, the the most efficient way to run a supply chain is to build your product where it's being sold and to have your suppliers right by where it's being built that is it that is a fundamental principle so this this so 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 this isn't a anti-Chinese or anti-global, if you're selling to the Chinese, then you should build your products in China. But if you're selling to Americans, then you should be building your products in America. And we, relative to the Manhattan Project, almost every advancement in manufacturing thinking has originated in the United States. If you look at the history of manufacturing uh, from the in the 1800s with Samuel Colt and Henry Ford and Alfred Sloan and in the discrete uh, manufacturing area all of the thought leadership came from the US uh and it continues to to be here so there's no question that we could uh we can and will do as you described
0: Really okay because um it must have been horrible for the people who let it get away who let everybody steal everything from us and decimate so many communities in America. Uh, I can't imagine how bad they feel. I hope they do, at least. Um, where would this come from in America? Right now, it looks like we love websites, we love web pages, we love Facebook. Where is the uh, center of gravity on improving, like I would like to, actual hard. Uh, uh hardware manufacturing. Where is the center of gravity on this? Who is um, pushing on the ability to beat the third world at its pricing game? That's the key to it. I think everybody gets that. We need to make stuff cheaper than China. That's how they stole everything. They didn't steal it on virtue. They stole it on cheap. Affordable, cheap, affordable, affordable. That's all, that's all it is. Um, what do you, where's the center of gravity for our, our press to, to pass them up? We need to pass them by a lot. We need to go speeding past what a communist, oppressive, monolithic, ugly country regime is. The free people over here. The creative people over here, the people who have real values, there are no values in China, you can't have any. If you run foul foul that government, you're dead. Over here, we love mavericks. We love uh, rebels. Do we have a rebel who wants to build us a factory that'll beat China?
1: Well, we need to, uh, you know, in that we, we're, we're, there needs to be a little bit of a look in the mirror because it's not like I'm not sure that it's fair to say the Chinese stole something. We actually went there and asked them to build our factories for us because we were chasing labor dollars, and and this gets to the fundamental heart of the problem is is that what we don't have in in North America right now is the ability for a CEO of a of a big corporation to be thinking long term. They are they are pressured um by shareholders to generate short term profits. And mm. the average tenure per CEO right now is measured in two, two and a half years. And to do what you're talking about is going to take a commitment to long term thinking and and it's very unfortunate um and it's got nothing to do with globalization. This is a this is a um, a financial uh uh situation if you take let's take a look at amazon they they didn't just start yesterday they started in 1994 and for over 25 years they had no pressure to make money they were able to think long term and their shareholders never said make money next year or you're fired right and now look and now look at how successful they are so we have to get back to, to good CEOs where he or she is able to say, I'm going to make decisions that are long-term decisions that are good for the company, good for the environment, good for the United States. Mm. And, uh, and then we, and we have to get on board and as, as, as board of directors say, yes, that is the right thing to
0: do. Well, who should introduce the manufacturing technology. In your opinion, should they just discover it themselves at the company? Or should there be a function in American society that is always aware of international competition and making sure it's beaten? Beating them, dominating them, not letting them get ahead of us. Who's best to do that? You know what? In the old days, I would have said Harvard. In the old days, I would have said you know, I would have thought, oh, that's what Ivy League is for. But Ivy Ivy League is horribly diluted. It's not brilliant like it used to be. Uh, The book that's critical of the Harvard Business School right now is selling like hotcakes because people know that even Harvard sold out America, became slavish in the example you just gave, short-term, short-term, short-term. How do we promote excellence that stays ahead of the world it is a global economy we should be dominant and certainly a backwards uh, uh, communist country beating us is embarrassing we invented all this stuff they're now doing like you pointed out before uh what henry ford taught them nobody in china came up with mass production
1: if you think of any any major change that's ever happened in the world follows a very specific framework. It's first awareness, then education, then experiment, then scale. So first we become aware of something and then we go, oh, that's interesting and we go and educate ourselves on it and we go, I still find this interesting now that I know a bit more. Now I'm going to try something, some little thing. Right. And it, I try it, it works, and then I scale it up. That is the... F- Stage of any any cha- introduction of any change over the course of of history. So, if we think of that and we agree that that's a that's a framework, then how does that happen? Awareness. Well, we have awareness.
0: Mm-hmm. We're
1: talking about it right now. This, right. This, what you do for a living creates awareness. Right. So then we need to we need to educate ourselves. Well, the way to educate our universities can support this and they do but the real education has to take place down in the in the in the uh factories and the supply chains where we're actually trying to do this work mm-hmm. like leancore Lean my company we are doing this work and we're learning what's working and we're learning what's not working and we need to be able to to run experiments um the The organizations that are doing what you're talking about and what you know needs to be done, they're the ones experimenting right now. They're the ones that are saying, you know what, I still build my product here in the U.S., but I moved all my suppliers to China 10 years ago because I thought it was cheaper. I'm not sure it is any cheaper by the time you add in transportation and duties and inventory. So I'm going to experiment. I'm going to bring those suppliers back to the U.S. Right. That that stuff, is, that stuff is happening now. So it is, should, okay. You should feel good about that. I that, want to. Thank you. things are happening.
0: <laughs> Thank you, because that's my intuition talking there. I have no facts to back that up. Um, the other one that I think uh, caught my attention, again, it was last evening. There's a, a show that was looking back at 1967, 50 years ago. One of the observations was that Volvo created the three-point seat belt, and they went and did it without being told to do it. They came to the conclusion that the uh, uh, waist belt only was not doing enough for passenger safety. But here's the thing that I thought was impressive and ties into what we're saying here. Uh, They then made that available to all the auto manufacturers. General Motors was not smart enough to come up with it. Uh, The other company, Chrysler, not smart enough. So the real hero of the seatbelt are the people at Volvo. Now, you might know, and some people might know as well, incidentally, not every company wanted it. General Motors didn't use it for three years. Ford didn't use it for years. So isn't that what we want in manufacturing? Don't we want somebody to be so awesome that they're way ahead of all their competition and then eventually their competition comes on board you can't find a car today without a three-point seatbelt mandatory we all know the history of the seatbelt but there was the one genius who was ahead of everyone at Volvo isn't that what we're talking about here something special about that environment at Volvo that let them go way beyond all the other you know mediocre approaches to safety and lead and then of course uh, make it universal is that i mean isn't that what, what we're talking about in manufacturing somebody's got to be so good. somebody's got to be the michael jordan somebody's got to be the lebron james you know the aaron judge on the yankees there's got to be a best of the best what do you think
1: well you're what the the seatbelt uh, uh, example is is about commitment to research and development and if you even go past the seatbelt into the airbag my understanding of the 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 history the histories I've read, Lee Iacocca actually had the had the airbag engineered in the late '60s for the Mustang, that the Ford Mustang that he was when Iacocca was at Ford. So mm-hmm. we've got people that 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 are doing this this development, but something that we need to recognize of what you what you the, the, what, what what took a few years before is now taking months. Like if you go to the, go to the automotive world now.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now you're talking Tesla, Google, Uber, and if you if you go and if you go and read articles on these companies, for every two articles, one will be about their what they're trying to develop the autonomous driving. The other article, fifty percent of the articles are going to be about how they're currently suing each other for patent infringement because because they're you know the old saying. Uh, uh, um, you know, ideas ideas generate simultaneously um, around the world, right? Uh, we the, there's the jury's still out whether uh, Mr. Benz invented the first car in Germany or Henry Ford did here because it was all incubating at the same time. Mm. Well, these ideas you talk about are happening so fast that the the idea of somebody having their arms around it and sharing it. Almost feels like it just won't happen like that anymore because these the 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 our ability to generate the innovation is happening so fast that um, it's it's hard to even know where the origins of the innovation is coming from
0: Wow, I tell you it's a very very exciting time that we're in We're in a huge transition in this field um, in your opinion, Robert. What is uh, a breakthrough over, say, the last decade that kind of illustrates what we're saying here? Is there anything we can look at on the market and direct the audience's attention to that this was a smart, well-managed result of a supply chain? Yeah,
1: I think that... um, that the, the an absolute change in critical thinking of moving away from this concept of economies of scale where bigger is better right. to one piece work to one piece flow this is a very th- this has happened there's multiple companies that that are generating huge uh, results because they're focused on speed and not big um but it's also very difficult for some companies to get their arms around this uh, it, it's a fundamental shift in, in, in your mental model and human beings are hardwired to think economies of scale so to not think that way is very difficult for people but in my opinion in the supply chain world moving from economies of scale to
0: to speed thinking of speed is the big shift that's happened Right on. Robert Martyshenko is the CEO of LeanCore. Uh, he's worked with huge companies like Mitsubishi, General Mills, Kimberly-Clark, Penny, Starbucks, Nestle, boy, talk about a big company, and Toyota Motors, all uh, phenomenal companies, all on the leading edge. Uh, can you give us, we want J.C. JCPenney to make it. Can you give us some hope for J.C. Penney? I don't know what the extent of your knowledge is of the company, but are you rooting for it? I can tell you that we are in our listening audience. We love J.C. Penney, but it's been up against it uh, over the last couple of years.
1: Uh, you know, I love J.C. Penney too, and they're a great company. and uh, And my my guess is they're going to do just fine. and 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 the the advice that I just give to anybody, not specifically to J.C. Penney, is that. The, the time has come where we have to get all the four core processes of the business working together, and that's whoever's doing business strategy and whoever's doing product development and whoever's leading sales and marketing and whoever's leading supply chain. The four leaders of those four core processes have to be working together. They cannot be misaligned any longer. You can't have new products being thrown over to sales and marketing, who throw it over the fence to the supply chain people, the planning and execution processes have to be done by those four leaders together in an extremely connected and aligned manner. That's how you're going to stay uh, alive in today's world of constant disruption.
0: Robert, thank you so, so much. I feel like we just took a graduate course in supply chain management, and you're an awesome teacher. Thank you so much for the time and uh, for visiting with us today. Robert Martyshenko is the CEO of LeanCore. LeanCore is a trusted supply chain partner. They deliver operational improvement and measurable financial results. The Until Show, Starcom Radio Network, AM, FM stations all across America. Great interview with Robert Martyshenko. We're going to catch you up now on news, weather, traffic, sports, and the upcoming close in about 60 seconds on Wall Street.